So welcome along to part two of the Property Development Live podcast, where I turn the tables on Paul Merrick and ask him about his life in property development, residential, commercial, and all that. I hope you got a lot of uh, value out of the first part. And uh, we're going to spend another 20-odd minutes uh, catching up with some other aspects of uh, Paul's life in property and development in particular. So let's get cracking. So Paul, development has been the mainstay of your business for over 25 years now. What really got you into development and why has it been such a good part and an important part of your business life? I love development. Um, There's several parts about development that I love. One of the parts I love about development is it gives you an immortality, if you like. You know, we're, we're all one day going to leave this earth and most of us will leave very little behind that anyone else can see 50 or 100 years from now. Yes, we'll have our children and our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, but there's nothing tangible um, that you can say, you know, this Paul Merrick or this Tom Purcell was on this earth. And development gives you that. Development leaves something behind that's much bigger, much more important than you can ever be and will last, if you do it well, hundreds of years. I mean, I look at some older buildings now because, as I've said earlier, I'm a kind of would-be architect. And I look at some buildings that are three, four hundred years old and I, I think about the people that designed them and I think about the people that built them. And those people are eternal because of those buildings. As long as that building stands, then... Their, their heritage, their history, their mark on the landscape still stands there. So I would say that was my, my first and foremost um, reason to do development. I like to change the landscape and I like to feel I've done something important in my little life. Secondly, I love to build places where people live and work. I get a great deal of satisfaction from handing over a set of keys and knowing that someone's going to live in something I have built. I get a great deal of satisfaction driving past that one day and seeing them playing in the back garden with their children and feel I had something to do with that. You know, that was, I made that happen. And when it comes to commercial properties, I love the fact that I've had the opportunity in my life to build premises where businesses actually, you know, create wealth and create jobs. So it makes me feel part of the bigger community. As well as all of that, the ulterior motive, the the um, motive that most people get into development for is because you do make large chunks of money. I mean, you don't just make small drips in the bucket as you can do with rental income. You make large chunks of money. I remember the first time that we succeeded with our first major development and the, the money rolled in and there was £200,000, £200,000, clear profit sitting in the bank and I still have the bank statement up in my office because I can assure you as a young boy from the east end of Glasgow who grew up in a family of six we'd never dreamt of £200,000 let alone made it in one deal so there's the financial aspect but mostly I, I get to build things that people use I get to feel part of something bigger than myself And do you get to put your initials above the building or a blue plaque on the wall outside? I've never done that as yet, but as I get older, I might do that on my, whatever my very last development is. Because I think I've done my very last development, but then again, sometimes I think I might have one left in me. 
But if I have that one left in me, then I might ask for the blue plaque just to sit outside saying, you know, Paul was here. And the bank statement, is it actually um, framed up on the wall upstairs? It's literally framed up on the wall in my small office in the East End of Glasgow. It's very, very, it's very important to me. That's good for your son to be able to look at, to aspire to, and um, and to know that his dad, um, that was the, the start, or it was uh, one of the first pieces of the jigs the jigsaw towards the legacy that you have uh, that you're leaving and you have left. So um, that's fantastic. And why wouldn't anybody follow that path that you've described with the passion that you brought to your business? I think that's fantastic. And I don't think I'll be the only one who thinks that that's fantastic. Thanks for that answer. That was illuminating. Thank you. Now, this isn't a particularly Scottish podcast property podcast at all but paul um who do you admire if anyone currently operating in the scottish property market and why if you do admire anyone other than me of course well of course that goes without saying um i've got great admiration for two chaps who weren't exactly my mentors but who i learned a great deal from um called ali and razor both in their um late 60s early 70s now and um, more kind of like myself kind of winding down but they've done some amazing things. I mean, Ali was really inspired me when I used to speak to him. And he told me about coming here to go to university because he's originally from Iran. And what he was doing was trying to find somewhere to live. So what he did was he rented a huge, great house. Before anybody knew what HMOs were, he rented a huge, great house and then rented out rooms to his friends. And then he ended up buying that house and keeping the rents coming in. And then his next model, and this is going back to the, late 60s, early 70s, was to go into a really high-end area and buy two small cottages that were maybe semi-detached, knock them down and build one big house. And Ali always felt to me like he was just ahead of the curve. Whatever the curve was, Ali always felt like he was just ahead of it. And I've had many conversations with Ali. And I think the most enlightening one I ever had with Ali was... I thought by this time I'd been doing property for about five years and I thought I was quite smart and I went to a property auction and Ali was there and he bought a really large piece of land and he paid very, very strong money for it. And I walked up to him and I said, you paid strong money for that, Ali? He said, I did today, Paul, but it won't be dear tomorrow. And that taught me a huge lesson. That one sentence taught me a huge lesson that people have to, if they really want to be in property and really want to make it their career, stop thinking of the short term. Stop thinking about the coronavirus and what effect it's going to have on the market or Brexit and what effect it's going to have on the market. Because I can assure you, properties that you own 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now, all of the coronavirus and Brexit will have very little, if any, effect on them at all. Did Ali, um, did he sit down quietly and... Um assess the market or do a lot of reading or talking to people in planning departments or uh, was he politically astute? How, how do you think he, he got his nouse, his nose for what was coming up and to be there at the beginning of the curve? I think that's one of the things I learned from Ali. I think that very much um, is one of the things I still do to this day and, and have always done is realise that you follow the politics, you don't follow the prices. So what's the politics in an area? Where, that, where is that area going? So what, you know, one of the ways that we made money in the early days was looking at a 
an area that might be getting a new road link in or might be bringing a new employer in or might be bringing a new rail link in and was likely to make it much more valuable in a reasonable period of time. Reasonable in property to me, incidentally, is somewhere between three and five years. Medium term to me is somewhere between five and 15 years and long term is somewhere between 15 and 50 years. Just to give other people an idea of what I call reasonable. I don't mean reasonable being six months. I mean reasonable being three years. And we learned that very quickly. And one of the things I learned from Ali was how astute he was of any given political situation or political decisions which were likely to be made in areas that he was investing. Lots of people follow property news. You know, they pick up the newspapers and they follow property news or they follow agents with their predictions, which is property news. Actually, that's not property news, that's property history. If you're, if you're looking what a property sold for last week, then you're looking at property history. If you're looking at what the politics are going to change that area in 10 years' time, then you're looking at property news. You're looking at what's next. That's, that's news. What a property is going to be worth in 10 years' time, that's news. What a property worth, sold for yesterday, that's history. And I think I got a lot of that from, not from asking Ali, just from watching, looking, listening and learning, being around Ali, of how astute he was to the given political situation as opposed to property prices. Yeah, well, that's absolutely fascinating, Paul. Going on to education, and you've had a lot to say about it over the years, but you've been there and you've got the T-shirt, and memorably, you taught people processes and property. Can you perhaps touch upon the key points that were the glue to the three Ps philosophy? So I believe that, that all businesses are about three Ps, people, process, product. Now, in property, our product is property. So in property, it's people, process, property. But in any business that you like, it is people, process, product. And they are the key things. And it's important that you get them in that order. So one of the, the things I see a lot of would-be property people do is get obsessed about property. They're looking for the deal. They're looking for the BMV deal or they're looking for the, the golden area or they're looking for you know, the property. It's all about the property. And they pay very little attention, if any attention at all, actually to the end customer. The person who's going to live in that house or use that commercial building. They start the process from, this is a good deal in terms of property. And actually, my most valuable asset is not my properties. My most valuable asset are my customers. Because, you know, here's the thing. If you have as we do, a property portfolio valued in seven figures, um, that's great, but I can't spend those seven figures in Tesco until I've sold the property. Whereas the rent that comes in every day from my tenants, that's what sends my son to private school, gives us two houses and lets me drive nice cars. That's what gives me the lifestyle I have. My customers are the center of my business, not my property. Well, I think a lot of people in property, whether they regard it as an investment or a business, uh, could do well to follow the three Ps, understand uh, the property is the product. But Paul, as we sit here now, uh, and we're winding up shortly, as we sit here now in the first week of May 2020, we're in an economic and social lockdown and the future is uncertain to say the least. Or is it? 
Do you have any predictions as to what we're facing in the coming six to 36 months, say? And is there anything you are potentially excited about in terms of opportunities um, out there and uh, during this enormous social health and economic uh, challenging time? Or as you're winding down, what would you tell the likes of me and everybody else in the property business uh, to expect or to look out for in the next six to 36 months? Well, the first thing I would say is that anybody, whether they claim to be property professionals, surveyors, estate agents, if they start telling you what the market's going to look like in 5, 10, 15 months' time, then look them up and down and call them either a psychic or a liar because nobody can predict this market because we have never lived in anything like this market before. So we have no idea what it's going to look like. Is that the same as there are not going to be opportunities? There are going to be huge opportunities. There are huge opportunities in every market. One of the things I'm proud of about our business as a development company is we didn't just survive 2008. We thrived in 2008. 2008 to 2010 were some of our better years. And that's because we adapted. We didn't worry about property prices. We just worried about making money in property. We just worried about what the opportunity was today, not dwell on what it would have been if the prices were still X or Y. And that was a, that was a great lesson to me. And I think it sets you up for the next few months. So where do the opportunities lie? I think the opportunities lie in development. And I'll tell you why I think they lie in development. Because if you said to me you were going out to buy a refurb today, and you were going to take a flat and you were going to put a new bathroom in it and you were going to put a new kitchen in it and you were going to turn it around and you were going to have it ready to sell in three months' time. How optimistic am I that in three months' time it's going to be a strong market? Not very. But if you said to me, I'm taking on a project of a conversion or a new build and it's going to take somewhere between nine and 12 months, maybe 18 months, how optimistic am I then? A lot more optimistic than I am about three months from now. So the opportunity now lies in long-term projects. And in in that particular area, is there anything that you take your fancy to? Uh, build to rent is, uh, is is something that a lot of people are talking about and interested in, or convert to rent. Do you see a lot of... Um, uh, office space becoming available in the high street that can be converted. Where do you see the particular niche opportunities? Well, what you've got to remember is I come from a commercial background, so we've always been building to rent. This is a new concept or a relatively new concept to a lot of people in the residential field, but in commercial, we've always been building to rent. So all you're doing is taking a model that's got a proven history and taking it from commercial into residential. Yes, Build to rent is always going to work. The advantage of build to rent, if you build correctly and you build for the right price, is if you took an average flat that would, say, cost you on the open market £100,000, but you've built that flat. In other words, you've found the land, you've built the site out, and you've done so cost-effectively, that same flat is probably costing you seventy to £75,000. In other words, 25% behind market value. That means you can be very competitive on your rents. You can give the end user, the customer, a very good product, and you can do that at a very keen price. That's always going to work. In any market, in any business, if you can give your customer a really good product at a really good price, you're always going to be successful. And build to rent gives you the opportunity to do that. 
So, Paul, uh, tell me, what is Property Development Live? Property Development Live is a concept that I came up with kind of stage by stage. There was no big master plan. And over the years, I spent a little bit of time and, and, and rolled up at people's door and kind of helped them with their development and gave them a little bit of advice here and there. Not, not, not paid advice, just interested in what they're doing and hoping it's a success and helping it to be that way. And this idea started to slowly form in the back of my head. What if you took some fairly novice developers and you gave them the opportunity to develop something, not as individuals, but as a team, a, a more appropriate word being a cooperative. What if we could build a cooperative with people to do development? Because that would work in, in so many ways. Um, one of the things that many people say about development is it's quite lonely exercise. And I thought, well, if we can, we can build a cooperative, that loneliness will go away. They will feel that they can discuss the particular project with other people involved in that project and they all have the same worries, fears, ambitions as they do. You know, sometimes we can go home and we can discuss with our wives or we can go along to the pub and we can discuss with our friends our projects. And to be frank, they're not really that interested. So you're basically describing a mastermind situation? Not a term I'm, I'm fond of. It's about a camaraderie on one project. It's where people help each other, um, maybe even go as far as, as uh, holding each other to account. Exactly that. Exactly that. And that's exactly what's happening just now. I'm seeing people holding each other to, the, to account. I think when this project first started, I was the person holding them all to account. And I've let that slowly slide so that they're holding each other to account now. So that, that's what, that was the idea. That was the concept, right? How do, how do we get people to do development? How do we build some kind of cooperative so that they've got something in common with the people who are building the plot next door? And then how do we turn that into something that might be of interest to people outside of the three or four people that are involved in that development? And when I first came up with the idea, I had no intentions of publicising it at all. I just thought it'll be really interesting. I'll watch these people grow. I get a great deal out of kind of watching people grow and improve. And I thought I'll watch these people grow and improve and one day be real developers. And then one of the chaps on the development said, you know, we should share this with other people. And, I, and it struck me, he was probably right, that it would seem a tad selfish just to keep this to three or four people when, because of social media, we can put out a step-by-step -step transition through doing a development, all the nuts and bolts. And I thought, that's a really good idea. How do I do it? And that was a huge learning curve for me because I know little to nothing about social media. So I've been a huge learning curve myself. Well, the chaps have been learning about development. I've been learning about making videos and making podcasts and um, getting a profile on social media. Um, and it's interesting. It is interesting to be learning something at the same time as they're learning, because I think it helps me understand how confused they can be about stuff after 25 years I just take for granted. So I'm, I'm deliberately going through a learning process at the same time so I can relate to, you know, for me, it's I've no idea how to make this piece of film. For them, it's I've no idea how to buy a 13-ton digger. The cynic in me now, Paul, and the, maybe uh, I'm not a cynical person by nature, but there will be cynics out there uh, as you move in, inexorably towards um, slowing down and enjoying life with your family and, uh, and your cars and, and uh, whatever else. What do you get out of Property de Development Live and, um, uh, and the, the training and the mentoring that you're, and the sharing that you're given? 
what is it what's in it for you because people will want to know what's in it for you what's it going to cost to join and and, and all that kind of thing uh, well there's there's no cost yeah. it doesn't cost the chaps any money we meet on a weekly basis we're now doing so through skype we used to do so in my office there's there's no charge there's no mentorship there's no coaching what's in it for me that's that's a really good question um, fulfillment, I think, is the honest answer to that. Um, I have no financial gain in these developments. So if these chaps make a thousand pounds or a or a hundred thousand pounds at the end of the day, it has no financial effect on me whatsoever. I don't charge anything for the mentoring, if you want to call it that, and I'm loath to do so because I don't think it is that. I don't think it's that kind of setup. But I don't charge anything for any advice that I might give them. Um, it's for me. It's an interesting thing to do with my retirement. I was forced into retirement with a health issue in 2016. And I must be honest and say I am a workaholic and I've always been a workaholic. And I'm finding it really, really difficult to retire, to just, you know, put the slippers on and sit down and read the paper. And property, it's not unreasonable to say, given the lifestyle that we have now and the lifestyle that I had when I was 15, 16 um, from a poor family in the east end of Glasgow. Property has changed my life. It's it's given me a life that I couldn't have expected at 15 or 16 years of age. I couldn't have even dreamt of. And I'm not ready to let that go yet. But I'm also not ready to go back onto a building site and, and arrive there at 7 o'clock in the morning and leave at 7 o'clock at night, which is what it really takes to be a success of this. So I always describe it to the guys of, I get the opportunity to be granddad rather than to be dad. You know, if, if you're running a development, it's your child, it's your baby, you've got to look after it. Whereas what I am is granddad. I get to come along and do the nice bits and then hand it back when I don't like it. So I get a lot emotionally from this, a huge amount emotionally from it. Um, it fills my time because I'm really struggling to do that as a semi-retired 57-year-old um, man. I'm really struggling to fill my time. And it fills my need to still be involved in property in some way or another. Because whilst the guys are going to get 100% credit for building these houses and doing these conversions, 100% credit, I can still look past those by and go, I had a hand in that. I'm not done yet. I still have a hand in building people's homes, which was the part about development that always excited me. The money was secondary. I got to build people's homes. And I'm still doing that. I'm just doing it remotely now with a much easier lifestyle because the other guys are doing all the hard work. Well, it sounds fantastic, Paul. So um, a budding um, developer or somebody who's been who's on their second or third project or, or whatever, how do they get involved with uh, Property Development Live? And uh, do, do you have a just a can you only have a certain number of people that you can take on? Uh, what's the process by which you uh, get involved with you? And how do, how do people get in touch with you in order to kickstart that journey with you? Well, I think what we're trying to do here is give a resource. So the guys are involved and they're building the project out and that's fantastic. But I think there's every bit as much learning in actually watching the process. Now, we haven't put the quality of content up that I, I'd hoped for at this point. That's purely and completely my fault. I am an amateur at making productions. I really am. And I'm learning painstakingly one step or one mistake at a time. But we have lots and lots of stuff in the can, as they would say in the film world. We've got lots and lots of stuff in the can that still needs editing to go up. What I'm hoping is that if people follow the Property Development Live Facebook group, if they follow us here on the 
podcast and if they follow us on the YouTube channel, every step of the way will eventually be up there. So do you have to be physically involved? No, you're remotely involved, but emotionally involved with the journey. I see this as a really, really, really large version of grand design. I'm a big fan of grand design, but I always feel like I miss the detail. I miss the nuts and bolts. Kevin McLeod turned up and there was nothing. And then there was half a house and then there was a house and it all happened in 45 minutes. And the really interesting stuff, the really difficult stuff we miss. Well, what I want to do is I want to have an episode of grand design because all of these houses are grand. I know I designed them and somebody can follow that right through every step of the way and they can dip in and out. And the great thing about the YouTube when we get this going is that you can pick the topics that you want to learn about. You can bring down the video, you can watch the video a hundred times, or you can watch it once, or you can look at another video and say, I'm not really interested in that topic. I don't need to see it. So if, if this works as I hope it will, then there will be a free resource there for people to follow developers from day one till they hand over the keys at the pace that you want to follow them, learning the bits that you need to learn. And it will always be there. Do you need to be involved with us? Not necessarily. But one of the conditions, and I certainly set conditions when I picked the people to be involved in Property Development Live, one of the conditions I set was, listen, if somebody is starting out and is two, three, four steps behind you guys, you always give to them what I'm giving to you. You always take the time for the new developer and, and share with them what you've learned. And it's very, very important to me that I'm trying very hard to give these guys 25 years of experience over the course of a year, which is virtually impossible, but I'm trying very hard. But I want them equally to share that year's experience of first-time developer with the person who's just thinking about it. So as we come out of COVID-19 and uh, we try and get back to some kind of uh, normality, uh, we can look forward to a lot more uh, resources on the YouTube channel, the Facebook page and podcast. Um, and as you say, we can dip in and out whenever we want on, on certain aspects of development processes and projects and stages and uh, that resource will be there and it, uh, people can as you say dip in and out of it uh, ask questions uh, share their experiences and join in it sounds fantastic Paul uh, the property development live podcast and the YouTube channel is certainly something that I'll be keeping my eye on over the coming weeks, months, and hopefully years. Uh, thank you so much for putting it together, for having the, the time and the energy and the passion uh, to make sure that what you've learned in your long career in uh, property is passed on to uh, the younger guys so that they hopefully will make as big a success of it as you have in your uh, professional life. Thank you, Paul. We appreciate it very much. Mm -hmm.